6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Boy, oh boy, it's been a busy weekend. I hope you had a good one, my friends. Uh, Lots going on uh, here at home, across the country, right around the world. We'll uh, have more details on those uh, that announcement by the Edmonton Elks just a short time ago about the enhanced COVID-19 protocols for fans, the fact that you will need a proof of full vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test to get into any of the games. We'll hear from Chris Presson coming up after 3.30 right now, though. Wanted to get into this because I suspect a lot of you have been watching this pretty closely over the past couple of days. On the election trail, uh, the Liberal leader, Justin Trudeau, saying he has no intention of backing down to protesters, despite having to cancel a rally on the weekend in Bolton, Ontario, and having another one in Cambridge, Ontario, delayed because of safety concerns. You know, the Liberal leader has been dogged by some violent protesters in recent weeks, often demanding freedom from mask mandates and COVID-19 vaccine passports. On Sunday, Trudeau received death threats as well from the crowd that included a photo of him about to face hanging. At the same protest, a female officer was subjected to a misogynistic insult and someone shouted racial slurs at a black member of his security detail. Take a quick listen to what happened. There are political protests and then there's this. Dozens of angry demonstrators gathered at a Liberal campaign stop in Bolton, Ontario. It got so tense, the event had to be cancelled because of safety concerns. Later, at a different location, Justin Trudeau called for calm. This is something that Canadians, all of us, need to reflect on. Because it's, it's not who we are. It's not who we want to be as a country. Late Friday, the Conservative candidate for the riding Trudeau was visiting tweeted that a few of his supporters were at that protest. Kyle Seaback said those people are no longer welcome on his campaign. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole says he's running a positive campaign and there's nothing positive about what those volunteers did. There is no positive reason. And if they were, they will no longer be involved with our campaign. Full stop. So uh, the Conservative leader speaking out against what is happening, uh, the NDP as well, spoken out against the demonstrations. All of this really begs the question, you know, is the campaign trail getting too dangerous? And and, and what is, um, you know, uh, spurring all of this? To explore that, we're joined this afternoon by Dr. Melanie Thomas. She's a political science professor at the University of Calgary. Dr. Thomas, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, what did you make of uh, what you saw over the weekend, those new, those uh, those demonstrations? So I'm not surprised to see them, but I think uh, I, I would also disagree with the kind of like blanket statement that like this isn't who we are mm. because I think that that lets us off the hook a little bit too hard on this. I did want to point out a couple of things. And so um, when we study this systematically, there's a couple of things that are associated with um, the types of people who are prepared to push it this far. Uh, and so I can imagine that there's a lot of listeners who are like, you know, I have no love loss for Justin Trudeau, but like this seems like it's beyond the pale. 
um, things along those lines. And so a lot of this research comes out of the United States, but I don't have a really good reason to think that it's all that different up here. Um, it's not lost on me that um, paired with the angry attacks on this particular politician are explicit statements of sexism and explicit statements about racism. Mm. And, and the reason why I'm not surprised is that when we research this um, more clearly in the U.S., because some of this stuff has been going on a little bit longer there, what we find is that the people who are prepared to engage in political violence, they, they, there are some key things that are about them. Usually they are uh, they perceive that um, they as individuals are going to lose out of the political system if their preferred political party doesn't win, hmm. which is step one. But this is a lot of folks, um, and so it, it, we need more than that. Um, part of that partisan motivation is motivated by a perceived threat of um, status loss or social dominance loss um, with respect to things like race, especially, but also gender, but like especially race. And so it's come through really clearly in the United States when we look at this, that much of this is about mostly white folks who feel as though they are losing too much of a status position in society to people who are not color, who people who are not white, specifically black folks. And so when I hear as part of this, like, really, like, angry protest that, like, there's this partisan motive that's coming in, but you're also seeing explicit sexism coming in and explicit racism coming in, mm-hmm. like this matches what we know in the U.S., mm-hmm. but that's still not enough. What you still need are individuals who are, like, disposed to be more open to and more willing to engage in violence. And so this is one of the reasons why as political scientists we start asking people whether or not um, they, when they think violence is acceptable uh, as, like, a political solution. And, like, there's... It's not a whole lot of folks, but, like, for listeners who are just kind of, like, again, like, I can understand some of these things who are coming forward, um, but I I don't necessarily understand what trips it over into people being able to take, being prepared to take these kinds of action. It's it's that there are some folks who are more predisposed to thinking that violence is okay. I don't want to say, like, predisposed makes it sound like it's genetic or something. It's not. It's an an attitudinal thing, and it has to do with ideas about social dominance and and, and stuff like that. Um, But when you get all of those things together, and then you've got a context that like makes people think it's okay to do these sorts of things that's how we end up seeing seeing stuff like this dr thomas um are are some of these uh folks would you believe are are they are they paid i know some of them are 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 following you know uh, leaders from place to place specifically the liberal leader from place to place could there be a uh, paid protesting does that happen so I don't have evidence to be able to say, yes, that happens. Um, instead, the things that I look at will be if there are political elites that think that it's um, okay to make statements uh, that would legitimize violence sorts of things. So this is why So I'm based in, like, being based in Alberta. We saw lots of these things. Well, Rachel Nott was premier, right? Like chants at protesting, walk her up, walk her up. Mm-hmm. And that also happened in the U.S. as well. Um, or like memes that show like um, the threats of violence yeah. uh, where, where certain politicians at the time who were leading parties or leading movements that um, where this stuff was more likely to come forward, they, like they didn't really condemn it or they kind of like half-heartedly joked about it or things along those lines. So, I mean, that's what I talk about creating permissive space, right? I mean, that said, I wouldn't be surprised if some folks would be like spontaneously organizing to do this because they they want to right um mm-hmm. and maybe if you're looking at the january 6th interaction yes. like there, there's lots of like it takes a lot of people who are prepared to do these <laughs> sorts of things to get to that point um and so i wouldn't be surprised if there is some kind of funding that's supporting it but i don't 
have any evidence to say that it's coming from a particular political campaign. I, I don't think it would need to be for that to be an organized thing. And this is why I keep going back to like, for us to really understand what's going on, we need to understand how people are thinking about social dominance. Mm. And like, what, and this is like the explicit thinking that like, it's a good thing for some groups to be placed in order above others, right? Mm. And that's why the sexism and the racism are the first, are like jump out at me in, in these particular examples, in addition to the, the partisanship aggravation. And there was a, there was a question that was raised uh, in a Toronto Star article today that, that caught my eye, and it says, how much are the leaders and their rhetoric contributing to the tension? Um, is, can, can, you, can you lay any blame at their feet? Um, right now, like during this particular campaign, I'm not seeing quite as much that I would say, like, this leader should have put a pin in it and not said that. But I do remember in 2019, say, um, the Premier of Alberta campaigned in Ontario saying that Justin Trudeau was an existential threat to Alberta. Mm-hmm. Now, it, uh, we looked at the districts where Jason Kenney campaigned and it, it didn't help conservative fortunes that much, so it wasn't a particularly effective campaign technique in that context. But what concerned me about a statement like that um, is that you've got somebody who is a like a leader in a partisan movement, say, um, indicating that a partisan opponent is an existential threat, and like that's 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 pushing the rhetoric pretty close to saying, well, what do we do with existential threats then, right? And that that's bringing people who are inclined to blow it over the line mm-hmm. um, to say, like, maybe it's okay that I go all the way up to this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but in order for us to get to that point, um, it can't just be like a one-off, right? Like it does have to be people um, using this kind of rhetoric uh, consistently. And I would say this is one of these things where I would reject the idea that like all sides do this, therefore all sides are responsible, mm. um, because like these things are not equivalent. Like saying, you know, certain politicians don't want to sit down and negotiate about a policy with us as the federal government is not the same thing as saying um, this particular politician represents an existential threat, yeah. right? Like th- th- those, those things are fundamentally, substantively different kinds of messages. Um, but that said, like I don't see Aaron O'Toole going out and being like, you saying this about Justin Trudeau right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like the foundations for this have been, um, are long-standing and have been in place for quite some time. Uh, in my last question here, because we're pretty much out of time, but, you know, looking forward over the next couple of weeks of this campaign and moving forward in campaigns here in in Alberta and, and elsewhere, do you, do you think it's going to get tamped down? Do we, or, or is this just the, the new way of what it's going to be like? Um, so I think because I would argue that these strategies are anti-democratic, and so this can't be the way that this is going to be like from now on, because it is, I, I, like, if I was going to say there was an existential threat to anything, it would be an existential threat to our collective democracy, because like we should be <laughs> able to campaign and talk about yeah. ideas and do that in relative safety without having a lot of yeah. this stuff happen, right? And so in that sense, like, I, I do see that, like, there's a, there's a problem here. Um, whether or not this continues to be a regular thing, I think depends on the robustness of the organization of the folks that are actually doing this. If it's yeah. like a couple angry individuals, they're going to flame out and it's not necessarily going to be something pretty consistent. And this is why I think it's good to ask, like, who might be organizing yeah. this and how is it getting funded? Um, and like I say, I have no evidence to say that this is being funded by any political party. I'd be stunned if it was. Um, but that doesn't mean that, like, somebody isn't organizing this. And so mm-hmm. I think that's where I want more information in the future because that will tell us, like, 
the, what we can expect in terms of the longevity or how like likely it is that we're going to keep seeing stuff like this. Dr. Thomas, always uh, leaving us with lots to think about. I sure appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for this. Great. Thank you. Have yeah. a good day. Yeah, take care. Dr. Melanie Thomas is a political scientist at the University of Calgary.